In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. This time there is no doubt about the movie we're discussing. What is it? I don't remember. And that's the second thing they teach you. But we're joined today by by my returning guest, Diane Bloom. Diane, is Ronan a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? Totally should be remade. Okay. Great. <laughs> That's a good place to start. Absolutely should be remade. Diane was previously a guest on our Hackers episode, which is super fun. And I've had people like, oh my God, you did Hackers. That's great. I have to listen. But for people who don't pause this episode, go listen to that and come back. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Diane Bloom. I'm a writer producer here in Los Angeles. I've actually worked with Sam on a couple projects. It's been a lot of fun. And I was a film criticism major in college. So basically I just sit there and watch a lot of films. Wait, a film criticism major? Yeah. I wasn't aware that was a thing. I sort of made it on a... They sort of made it for me. Oh, you, that's awesome. Yeah. So wait, were you planning on being a film critic? Um, It was in there a little bit for a while there. I studied under Thomas Elshauser, who was a famous German film critic for a while. I did a graduate study in in Amsterdam with him. Awesome. And, uh, but then kind of took a little bit of a detour. Took a bit of a detour and went another way. Worked at a theme park for a while. And then came out to Hollywood. I didn't know you worked at a theme park. Yeah, I ran the market research department at Six Flags Fiesta Texas. I did know that. I take it back. Yeah. Because amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, how did you first see this movie, Ronin? I We should specify that this is not the Keanu Reeves movie, 47 Ronin. No. This is the Robert De Niro movie, Ronin. Right. And if you say Ronin, everyone always assumes it's a Keanu Reeves movie, and it's not. No. It's a completely different movie. It's not really even a Ronin movie. Well, it sort of is, actually. It is. I'll go with that. because you that. If you... It's not a Japanese movie. No, it's not. It's definitely not a Japanese movie. Uh, so, I'm sorry. How did you first see this movie? I must have seen it when I was... A... I must have seen it in theaters. Really? Maybe, yeah. In 98? I probably would have seen it with my parents. I could see that. Your parents do have... What, did you see it because you heard that it was written by David Mamet? No, we probably saw it because De Niro was in it. Fair. Which So you and I watched this movie together, and as we're watching it, we get to the end credits, and we're like, oh, I guess it wasn't written by David Mamet. But it was actually written by it David Mamet. It was actually written by David Mamet, but under the pen name Richard Weiss. Yes, because he didn't want to share writing credit. Why would he have had to share writing credit? Because of J.D. Zyke, who originally wrote the story. Mamet didn't want to share writing credit with him. So he put a pseudonym on his name so he wouldn't have David Mamet and J.D. Zyke as a story thing. Oh, because he wants it. If it's a David Mamet thing, it's just David Mamet? It's just David Mamet. Wow, that guy's an asshole. <laughs> He's a really good writer, but you know. Well, that's, those two things aren't mutually exclusive. No, not at all. If anything, they sometimes are encouraging of you. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, but... So, do you remember enjoying this movie when you first saw it? Absolutely. Yeah? It's one of those things that I go back and watch whenever I see it. Ronan sort of pops up on HBO or something, or on Amazon Prime, or wherever it was we watched it on, and I was just like, Ronan, have to watch it. Interesting. I literally had watched it about three weeks before you and I watched it again. That's funny. Because this movie is not... I've never heard of it. And a lot of people have mentioned, oh, I'm going to be talking about Ronan. Oh, yeah, the one with Keanu Reeves. No, 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 Ronan. 
What's that? Occasionally, the only thing people know about this movie is that it has an incredible car chase scene. Yes. But honestly, other than that, it's kind of fallen through the cracks. And it's kind of a bummer, because I think it's really a really fun sort of spy movie, a fun MacGuffin story, and a really amazing car chase sequence. Yes. It's, it's just crazy The good. car chase is wild. Yeah. Because it's, it's not like crazy Matrix-level car chase shenanigans. It's just a car, two cars chasing each other on, like, country roads. Or in Paris at speed through tunnels. Yeah. On going the opposite direction to traffic. Yep. Some of those costs, I think they, they spent, I think when I did some reading on it, it was like 300 stunt drivers to make some of those scenes happen. Yeah. Well, in 1998, do you happen to know what the budget of this movie was? Uh, no, I don't. Do you have a guess? I would say somewhere around 40 million. All right. And that's based on the f- sheer number of cars they blew up? Yes. And just random other explosions and whatever? Yes. All right. No, it's more than that. Oh, really? Yeah, not by much. It's $55 million. Oh, my goodness. Which is, in 1998 money, is a pretty expensive movie. Like, this is prior to, like, the big superhero. Because you look at this movie, and until they do the big car races, it doesn't look like an expensive movie. No, but you look at the talent that's attached to it, and you're going, why are all these people in this movie? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You're really going, why are all these people in this movie? And they're also playing supporting roles. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean... Even the Robert De Niro role isn't, I mean, him and Jean Renault, I guess, kind of become the leads, but it doesn't feel like they're going to be. It kind of feels like they're going to be uh, side characters as well, and then just like kind of everyone just starts falling away by the wayside. No, I mean, it's got all the indications of being like a buddy picture or like a group heist thing, like the Italian job. Yeah. So, I mean, what it becomes is actually so much more fun. (laughs) And it's beautiful, like and it's beautiful. The locations oh. are incredible. Yeah, I mean, you're, when you're going to be filming in scenic European villas, yeah, absolutely. And and you know, ancient cool. coliseums yeah. and things like that. It's just crazy to see. It's yes, and I'm looking at the IMDb page now, and it's funny that like right now, of all the people in this movie, who do you think is currently like the most famous? As judging by the IMDb IMDb Pro like star meter, ooh. Skellen Skarsgård? Stellan Skarsgård is yeah. correct. Robert De Niro is currently at a 322. Stellan Skarsgård's at 38. Wow. Which is pretty good. Uh, some of the other people on this dip as low as 43,000. Meanwhile, I'm in the 200,000s. That might be Skip Suddeth, right? Is yeah. Like, yeah, down there. I would like to apologize. I mangle names frequently. Oh, please. I will be doing far, far worse. Okay. How bad am I right now? Because I bet I'm very, very low. I might be at like 2 million. 703,440. Hey, that's great. That is... It's in six digits. It sure is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I've got some things that are just going to remain in my development unknown forever. Oh, man. That's a deep hole I don't want to go down looking at my IMDb page. Anyway. Anywho. uh, But talking about the budget, how much do you think this movie made? I think this movie probably made around 65 million. So you think so you think this was a box office success? Well, that's still I, a box office failure because doubling the right. It doesn't double. It doesn't double the budget. I think right. it made it, but it also wasn't like something I think teenagers would go out and see. I think this is more like an adult heist movie. Yeah, I see. I could see this as something my like parents or grandparents would have gone out to see. Yeah, I mean, my parents would take me to see this because they took me to see Clockwork Orange when I was a child. How old were you? Three. That was the first movie I ever saw. 
It's remarkable that you're as normal as you are, I'm Diane. totally normal. <laughs> uh, but no, this was a commercial failure only making $41 million. Ah. So that might be why we don't hear about it anymore, because probably the studio just was like, wrote it off. They're like, well, dead in the water, no. But, I mean, it's it's an interesting movie. I can't say that I enjoyed it as much as you do. Okay. Just because it's a... I, I mean, I can't even describe it describe it as a spy thriller because they're not spies. They're they're hitmen slash mercenaries, and they basically are hired to go get a thing. Well, they're ex spies. I mean, the whole purpose of this that's is true. That, they're is, is they're all ex spies. They've all been let go by their various by the CIA, M- MI6, Stasi, whatever. Yes, and you're right. KGB, all these spy agencies that are now in peacetime and don't need them. They've all let these guys go. Right. That's right. You're right. I don't know. It always, it, for me, other than the amazing car chase, it just kind of felt like by the books. I can see that. I can absolutely see that. For me, at least, I get a lot of fun in seeing the interactions between Jean Reno and Robert De Niro's characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy like watching the little like spycraft things go on, like when he sets up the photos to take a to see how the uh, the team reacts, the team that has the case to see mm-hmm. how they react, and he sort of sets it up when, with the. With the uh, Hotel case, hotel cart and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, he leans something on a hotel cart and asks the porter to move it. He goes back, and then when the porter moves it, the thing falls to the ground and makes a loud bang, and he gets to see how they scatter and how right. well they're trained. Right. I will say that every single time Robert De Niro was setting up some crazy convoluted thing to test people, that was always really interesting. Like, if yeah. the whole movie was that, I would have been thrilled. It wasn't, but that would have been amazing. Yeah. Because I can think of three instances of when he did that. He did it there. He did it in the beginning, but you think the beginning is, you thought the beginning, I think, was kind of funny when he was sitting there, uh, sort of like fiddling with a box and trying to put a gun behind a box. Yeah, he was fiddling and, and he was hiding his gun in the alley behind the box. I think because he was potentially expecting to get patted down. I actually thought it was more of he was putting it there in case he needed to run out and fire and fight people. Right. So. Right, but that was stupid to me because if he has to need to run out and fire and fight people, he should have his. He should not have to go get his gun. He should just have his gun. Good point. What was interesting to me was that, like, when he opened the door and kind of like set everything up, like if they'd patted him down, it would have made perfect sense to me. They didn't. So, but like he set up his escape route, and he even said to to Nata- uh, to Deidre. Played by Natasha McElhone. 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 McElhone, I think. Sure. Sure. Uh, he even said to her, like, I always have an escape plan. Yeah. Which was cool and interesting and good. And I like that. And then so then the other one was when he was setting up Sean Bean. Yes. Which was great. Because what did I say when Sean Bean first walked out? Oh, he's dead. Yeah. Oh, he's dead. It's Sean Bean. It's Sean Bean. And every time you see Sean Bean, you're pretty much assuming he's going to die. That's the rule. That is the Sean Bean rule. And it's pretty much been upheld in almost every film and TV show he's been on. Yep. Is that he just dies. Which is probably why they intentionally cast him as Ned Stark in Game of Thrones. Spoiler warning. Because, like, it's like, this guy's gonna die. And if you didn't think that, you're gonna think that if you had if you haven't read the books, you're so in for a surprise. Yeah. But yeah, so I liked all those little things, but yeah. overall it was, go get the thing. What's the thing? I'll never tell. Go get the thing. What's the thing? 
I'll never... And it was just that over and over and over again. Well, see, I mean, I have an insane fondness for noir, for film noir. Yeah. And for Chasing After the MacGuffin and mm-hmm. for, spy, for spy films and mystery films like that. Um, I took a lot of courses on them in college. I actually wrote a ton of papers on them. I absolutely adore them. So this sort of combines two of my favorite things, noir films and sort of a spy film. That makes sense. It's just, I had to watch this movie, and then a couple days later, I watched From Russia With Love. Okay. Which is honestly very similar. Yes. It's not a team movie, but it's, they go get, they need to go get the thing. And it's old school James Bond. James Bond. uh, Chris was saying that it's probably the most Cold War James Bond movie. Yes. And that's kind of what this movie felt like. Like, Yes. Ronan was all about, like, these secret factions just trying to get the thing. Right. What's your pitch as to what the thing was? I think the thing was a small nuclear bomb. Ooh. I could see that. Because if you if you think about it, what they talk about at the end of the is the end of the Troubles, which is the um, peace treaty between the Northern Ireland and Ireland. Yeah. So, and they talk about the fact that they killed Seamus, and that way they, they could sign the peace treaty. Yeah, because Seamus was kind of the last holdout of big IRA people. Right. So... He gets a hold of a bomb, he destroys the peace process. And Makes there sense. were a lot of bombings at that time for in uh, England and Ireland. There were just bombs all over the place, and bombing was their preferred method of killing things and destroying things. So I thought it was... I, I, I've always thought it was a bomb. That, that would actually make perfect sense to me. Like, it's a nuclear bomb. Yeah. I agree with that theory entirely, and I think the movie would have been more interesting if they'd said that. I'll disagree with you just because the conceit of those films is you're always just chasing after this mysterious case. I know. Yeah. And it's it's very Maltese Falcon whatever. Yeah. But I, d- I didn't need them telling me what the case was. I thought, you know, what I well, could add to it in my brain. If everyone in the movie knows what it is, I think that they can then use the content of the case. Like, all right, well, you can kill me. You won't be able to turn it off. The one of the interesting things I thought was when uh, Stellan Skarsgård was talking to I don't know what was the the other Eastern European creepy guy who ends up shooting him in the head. Oh, uh, Mikhail. Sure, uh, Mikhail, Mikhail, Mikhail. I think something like that. Basically, Skarsgård uh, said, "You can kill me. You've got thirty seconds, and then I need to make a phone call preventing uh, my friend from shooting the the ice skater." Yeah. Which you pointed out. You're like, I can't believe that in this movie they got famous ice skater... Katarina Vett. Katarina Vett, who is most well-known for... Olympics. Where she won the... One of the medals. Very good. I forget. I, I forget. I actually forget if she won gold or silver. I actually but she actually know. did win. She actually did win. She actually did win. And she gets killed in this movie. She totally gets killed. Because, because I, I thought Stone Skarsgård was bluffing. No. And that's what I like, is they don't bluff in this film. De Niro bluffs. Right. But they don't necessarily... They they carry out the threats they say they're going to do. Yeah. Which I actually really enjoyed. Because it's always like upping the stakes more and more in this film. Yeah. We're going to kill your friend. Oh, no, you're not. Yeah. We just... We are. Yeah. Like, when we when I found out that it was like a real cameo from a, a real ice skater, I was like, oh, that's fun. And then when she actually got killed, I was like, that's actually awesome. Yeah. And the shot where she's like lying on the ice and there's blood around her and the audience is just streaming out. It was fantastic. And But then like Mikhail doesn't care. He's not like, oh, I guess I shouldn't have shot this guy. Guess we better run. 
He just is kind of stoic the whole time. But I wanted to know who Skarsgård's friend in the in the balcony is. Some ex KGB guy. Some Skarsgård was KGB. Yes. Okay. Right. Uh, or East German. He was either East German or KGB, but he was he probably was some KGB. Sort of something. Yeah. So, of the team, did you have a favorite? Like, who was like your favorite person on the team? I actually adore Vincent Jean Renault's character. I agree. That was also mine. Because he's sort of this jack of all trades, he can get everything for you in Paris. He is, he is like Sam De Niro's character, where they're very practical mm-hmm. and pragmatic, and they don't necessarily put up with fools wisely. But they're also like, we have to get this case because we're getting paid to get this case, and yep. if I don't get paid, I don't live. Yep. So I'm going to go get this case. Yeah, they're both kind of on the run, and I can absolutely see them as being kind of mirrors of each other. Yeah. I just found Jean Renault a little bit more compelling. Like, I like the shenanigans and things yeah. that Robert De Niro pulls off, but meh. But I think, honestly, if you look at it um, at the end, Jean Renault's character is actually what you hope, what you think Sam's character is, but Sam's character has never left the agency. So he's still part of the CIA. That's right. Because he says, I never left. Got it. So he was sent in to this organization to destroy them and find Seamus. That was his. That was his mission. He and that's really why I kept saying, "What's in the box? Where's your boss? Who?" We... Exactly. Got it. I don't know if I necessarily got that from viewing the movie, but on several repeat viewings, it's perfectly clear. Ah, yes. But there's that moment at the end where Robert De Niro has taken down Seamus, but he's hurt. Or no, Robert De Niro tried to take down Seamus. But Seamus is shot by Jean Renault, who's in the balcony, after Jean Renault's been shot. So he somehow managed to get up there, and oh my god, and he takes him down. But he still has a gun pointed, and the case is right there. And Jean Renault could kill Robert De Niro and take the case himself, but, Ro- but he drops his gun and then passes out. Again, because he's been shot. Me- right, but also I think because... Um, mutual respect. Mutual because respect. respect. Because respect, absolutely. And... But I, I, which is which is how it's played, and then we get to the later scene, and they're kind of like having coffee or tea or whatever, and they're like kind of like debriefing each other, like "You gonna be all right? Yeah, you gonna be all right? Cool, we're tough guys." But Jean Reno was shot in the chest, and Robert De Niro was shot in the arm. Robert De Niro is still in a sling. Jean Reno's fine. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. We're just they're magic <laughs> just bullets. It. They're magic bullets. Magic bullets. He was secretly wearing a Kevlar vest. Yes. Like, he's wearing a full body cast, but it's 1998, but they figured out how to make it slimming. Yeah. And, you know, form-fitting. Yep. Uh, But De Niro ends up letting Deidre go. He's like, you need to go. I never left. We're going to take everything down. And she's like, "Uh, okay. And she drives off, leaving Seamus behind. And it's because Deidre and Robert De Niro were in love. They have a shared attraction. I mean, there's a sequence where they kiss. There's a sequence where they're together in the hotel. And, you know, they play off of each other really well. I think she had an inevitable task of playing against De Niro at a very young age. You know, she was probably about 20 years younger than him. Yeah, and that's and, weird. And she did she did a good job, though. She did fine. I never, until she, like, straddles him, I didn't get chemistry from her at all. Okay. And I was just like, oh, this poor woman. <laughs> but to be fair, I also didn't get chemistry from him. Like, I didn't necessarily, like, I totally got a father-daughter relationship, and then she straddled him, and I was like, okay, that's weird. Okay, I never saw his father-daughter. Because he's so much older than her. <laughs> he is. He is. And, like, 
So this is what we need to do. This is the way this goes. Oh, yeah. Okay, sure. This is what we got to do now because this is what happens next. All right. Ki-. And then he would be like, all right, kiss me. And I always thought that was like not – I didn't necessarily see that as lecherous or desirous of her. I always just thought – saw that as like more playful of here's what we got to do to get out of this situation. And I saw – yeah, and I guess I saw it more as he was – The old they had They had an attraction to each other. Opposites attract? I uh, – yeah. I don't know. It's still – 40-year-old making out with a 20-year-old. Yeah. Or was he older than that? How old I is Robert De Niro 40s. now? I think it was mid-40s. Robert De Niro the- is currently... Robert De Niro is currently 75 years old. Wow. Which means that in 1998, he was mid-50s. Ooh. So you're even more creeped out at this point. I actually see you and you're actually even more creeped out. Let me find out how old she is. She was about 25, I think, when she made it. Ooh, she's currently 49, which means that 21 years ago, she was 28. Okay. So it's a 27-year age difference. Yes. That's not good. No. I didn't cast that way. Uh, I didn't, I cast, I cast a little, I cast probably with some age difference. Okay. I was less bothered by it than probably you. It's, I mean, it's not about, it's about also like, bad hollywood messaging yeah um but okay that's kind of the movie as it is so you picked this movie in terms of the movie you wanted to talk about what's your pitch for remaking this movie i think the pitch for remaking this movie is that you can take it and make it current with say like iran and you've got like sort of you still got foreign agents running running around you want and the movie to take place in iran no i want the foreign agents the uh deidre character and Seamus character to be iranian Oh, interesting. I like that. That was that's my pitch. Sold. Because then you've my got My cast doesn't match that at all, but I like it. Yeah. I and I wanted to bring in more of a um Arabic element to it because I think that's really interesting in terms of Palestinians, Iranians. That is the kind US. of the modern Cold War. Yes. Slash hot war, depending on how last weekend went. Exactly. So that's that's what I was thinking in terms of this. Okay. And that's that would be my pitch for the remake. Because okay. you can still do the car chases, you can still do the MacGuffins, you can still do chasing after chasing after this, you know, mysterious case thing. Um instead of having an ice skater, I thought, why don't we have a snowboarder? And put it on put it on the snow. <laughs> I wouldn't use a snowboarder, but that's but I like the idea. So that's kinda of what I was thinking. And I mean I'm thinking of Iran and Iran's not really known for its cold. It's not no, but it didn't take no, but you take place. You still take place in either France. Or oh, you still Europe. want it to take place in Europe? Yeah, I still want it to take place in Europe. Oh, I thought it'd be more interesting if it took place in the Middle East. Oh, see, I hadn't even thought that. I was still thinking European because locations. if you pull in some more European entities, like you could have this whole thing financed by Dubai. Cause, Ooh, because like if you need money in the Middle East, that's kind of the. <laughs> That's kind of the stereotypical view of money in the Middle East, Dubai. And in Dubai, like, if you film this in Dubai, you can have, like, all the crazy Dubai locations of, like, the indoor ski slope. Yeah, exactly. You could, like... And insane car chases with insane cars because they have that anyway in Dubai. Right. Because that's just who they are. They have... Their ATMs in Dubai can literally dispense gold. That's really cool. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) You can have them skydiving off of the Burj Khalifa. Yeah. I feel like that's the way to go. I actually like that. I actually like that a lot. 
because that's also because Dubai is also the somewhat neutral ground. It's the Las Vegas of the of of that area of the world, yes. and so it take it has the American, the European, the Middle Eastern, the Asian. Everyone kind of comes together there, and everyone always comes to Dubai for money. Yep. So that would work out really well. Yeah. Let's okay. Cool. Then let's, let's set it in Dubai. Yeah, that's really cool. So you still want to assemble a team of foreign powers? I still, yeah, I still want a, a team of people from different countries to come together. Do you still want the Sean Bean character? Yes. And you still want to like fire him mid? Uh... Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. The the thing that I would do, I like the idea in terms of the Sean Bean character and firing him because it shows the level of competence versus incompetence. Yeah. And sort of the idea of this is what spies, like his sort of idea of what spies do is comes out of spy books and stuff. Right. Whereas the other ones are like, this is what spies actually do. So I think you need that contrast. My big pitch for changing this movie is that it was a bunch of little capers that kept kind of piling up, piling up, piling up. And honestly, I had trouble following it sometimes. It was all just, well, who's got the case? Well, we got to get the case. Ooh, he somehow found out that the case was an ice skate box, which... Fine, whatever. But for me, I feel like the modern equivalent of this sort of movie is Ocean's Eleven. The reason being is that we pull in a bunch of different people and it's all about coordinating and collaborating this elaborate, this incredibly elaborate scheme. And it's all about watching these separate components come together while watching this team of incredibly charming people bounce off each other. And then, of course, things inevitably go wrong. That's your act three. And because things are going wrong, it's seeing who anticipated what and which betrayals were expected based on the information, the research that they did, and why they pulled that person in to begin with. Because the Stellan Skarsgård betrayal kind of catches them all off guard. It's like, oh, uh, what was his name? Gregor. Gregor betrayed us. Let's roll. And they weren't prepared for that at all. Even though they've already said, well, this box is worth so much money. Of course, someone of these disenfranchised spies is going to try and take it for themselves. I think the initial betrayal with Gregor, I didn't actually, I don't necessarily see that as a course moment. I see that as uh, De Niro being a good spy moment, realizing that the the case is a bomb and throwing it away and realizing Gregor's betrayed them. But I don't necessarily see that initially as a... Of course, moment. They set the, they set these guys up as guys who are needing money and you know who are rudderless without their government controllers. Right. So to put them together as a team to go take get this case, they're mercenaries for hire. Yeah. So and they're supposed to be professionals. Uh huh. So Gregor to violate that is a surprise to me. I think, especially when you're dealing with people who are already living in a moral gray zone. And then you say, we will pay you a little bit of money to go steal that lot a bit of money for us. I mean, a little bit of money is not even, guar- like, is not even guaranteed because they still have to get the lot a bit of money. I feel like there's it's a lack of foresight to not expect some level of betrayal from people who already live in a morally gray zone. I think that they should be surprised by who it is. I think Because I want it to be like, oh... We thought it was going to be this guy who betrayed us. It was him? That's... I like that. That I, I like, find more I like, the, I like the surprise on the betrayal. And yeah. I really do actually also like the idea of making it a little bit more Ocean's Eleven. Mm-hmm. With a little bit of a... I don't know if you're talking tonally, like a little bit of a lighter tone in it. That is... Because I think the way this works is planning things is boring. 
But if you're planning things and watching charismatic people do it, then it's more interesting. Yes. Because if it was... Honestly, if you had the tone of this movie in Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's Eleven wouldn't have worked because it would it's very, very dry. Yes. Robert De Niro, honestly, is the only character in this movie as it is who has a spark. He's the only one who seems to be having fun with it. Yes. And then... Cause, I think Sean Renaud is having fun with it. I think Vincent's having some fun. I think the actor is, yeah. but, I, but the character's not portraying oh, no. it at all. Oh, no. Because Natasha's not having fun. Stone oh, no. Skarsgård is... Definitely not having fun. Sean Bean is flop-sweating the whole movie because he's nervous and angry and whatever. And then Skip Suduth... Suduth? Suduth. Yeah. Him. Is a... I'm sure he's Larry. been in other... I'm sure he's been in other things, but like... Yeah, he's been in... I'm trying to remember what he, else he's been Who in. even is that guy? Yeah. But for that character in particular, I cast a comedian. I cast a... Uh, I cast someone who could drive. Who is an actor who I know can drive. Because Larry was the driver. I did not cast someone who I knew could drive, but that's what stunt drivers are for. I know, but I thought it'd be more fun to actually also have an actor in there who would drive. Because it's necessary... It's, if you cast Ansel Egg- Eggert... No, goodness no. That's the one from Baby Driver, right? Yeah, yeah. no. Okay. I cast him. I looked at him. I legitimately considered no, him. No, I didn't. I think we cast us so differently. It's going to be really it's funny. It's going to be amazing, and I'm excited about it's it. It's going to be seriously funny. But anyway, so that, that's my pitch. Like, right. Uh, we Ocean's Eleven it up. Uh, Robert De Niro's always eating something. I'm kidding. That's an Ocean's Eleven joke. It is. It is. from Yeah. So, but that also means that, so for me, Act 1 is bringing the team together. Here's the plan. Act 2 is executing the plan the plan goes wrong act three is scrambling to recover and put things back on track right so instead of it being all of these little mini plans it's kind of one big grand plan okay i can see that i absolutely can see that i mean to be fair that's what this first one was supposed to be as well it was just supposed to be this exchange under the bridge right and then things went wrong and they kept going and this exchange under the bridge with People who didn't have the case, the case was somewhere else. Oh, no, the exchange on the bridge wasn't for the case. The exchange on the bridge was for weapons to get the case. Oh. The exchange on the bridge had nothing to do with the case. It was just to get weapons so they could have weapons when they go and get the case. Why didn't they already have weapons? Because they didn't have weapons in the country because it was a team that just was coming together. So she had to go and get the weapons. They had to go buy the weapons. All right. So the exchange on the bridge was a weapons buy that went wrong. Okay. But they still, like, were buying weapons, and then still, there's still that moment of, it's not here, the thing isn't here. They they were missing half the guns. Okay. So they had ordered a bunch of guns, and they were missing half the guns, and half the order was in the other car, and then there was a sniper who was going to kill them anyway and take all their money. Okay. That was the plan. For me, that's the cold open. Yeah. Deep. So you don't wish, you don't want someone hiding a gun and then going into a diner and everyone having coffee and then sullenly getting up and going sort of like skulking out and going to a different place. You don't think that's a good opening for a movie? No. Okay. Just checking. Because why? Some of the people were already at the other place. Some of the people weren't. Yeah. It's an action movie. Yeah. Start with an action scene. I like that idea. I really like that <laughs> idea of opening opening on the gun exchange gone wrong. And literally it would be funny if they picked up someone else along the way. Like the... I don't know who, but like literally if they picked up Sean Bean there as like someone who was trying to also get the guns and somehow like they ended up and Sean Bean was like, all right, well, we can kill you or you can be involved. And he's like, uh, okay, I'll do the thing. And then they keep him and they're like, all right, well, we're not like, and he is awful. All right, well, we're not going to kill you, but here's money. If we ever see you again, you're dead. Okay, bye. 
I it, don't... It's really weird having seeing Sean Bean not being composed. Yes. I mean, I like it. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm not necessarily going to say, you know, he's an actor. He can play something different of than just being composed or being very stoic before he dies. <laughs> so, you know, the idea that he was this little out-of-control dude who was just kind of like fanboying De Niro the whole time. Yeah. And trying to, like, pretend he knew what the big boys were doing and had no friggin' clue what the big boys were doing or how to do it. I thought that was a really good addition to the team. I really liked that bit. I didn't even follow necessarily that that's what was happening. I just thought he was the one who was trying to say, well, I clearly know what's happening. Just be all bluster and no follow-through. Yeah. And I thought that the, I agree that I think that that was a big thing. And the way they treated him like, here's your money, go play somewhere else, was amazing. Yeah. And I liked that. Yes. I kept expecting him to come back in some other way just because it's Sean Bean. And at this point, he's famous enough that that's what I expected. But at the time, he was not. No. And so, like, that's what I was expecting of, oh, well, now they're sending him on a side mission to go do the thing and meet them back at another point. Which, in an Ocean's Eleven movie, is what would happen. Right. But I think it's, I actually enjoy the fact that he just goes. I kind of do too. I think that character needs to go. Yeah. I think because he shows the level of professionalism between this one team and him. Yes. And I agree with that. And I think it's important to say that I think it also establishes that they're like, no, 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 no. Just because you're here doesn't mean it's permanent. We have a certain level of standard of, and this needs to be carried out. Because it's something that the Ocean's Eleven movies never do. Like they bring this team together. No one's ever fired. It's... No, but they also, when they bring their teams together, there's also a level of excellence that each member of the team has. Right. And they know that level of excellence. Yes. So. But theoretically, he was brought together because they expected that level of excess or because he was pitched right. in such a way. It's like uh, the dude who climbs rope in Suicide Squad. <laughs> Insta-killed. Yes. Because, uh, well, his dossier was good. Yeah. That's it. That's all you can say. Yeah. And in this case, he faked who he was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's my pitch for the movie. And if you're, but, so I like the Ocean's Eleven thing. I think it needs to be more tonally, a little bit more to the Ronin side tonally. It's an Ocean's Eleven spy movie set in Dubai. I like it. All right. I definitely like that. So before we get into casting, and I should have thought to ask you this before, do you like the title Ronin? Yes. Why? Because... They are what it refers to. I mean, I don't necessarily like this that they, that they sat there and they had like a 10 title card explanation of what Ronins were. Right. Because and then they explain it later in the movie anyway. Right. I don't... That was clearly a studio note. Yeah, that was clearly a studio note. But what I what I do like the fact is these guys were directionalists and they were very good people who'd been let go by their countries. So they were very skilled people with a lot of skills and nowhere to put them. So to have a team that would then put them together to use those skills... I think you need that. But they talk about how a Ronin is someone who was a, a it was a samurai. So it actually. A, Roman, a Ronin is a samurai without a master. A, a master who'd been killed, right? A masterless samurai, yes. But d- does it require that their master had been killed? No. Oh, okay. So they can have just been fired. Yeah. Okay. I assume that that meant that their master had to have been killed, which wasn't true for any of I them, think. as far as I know. I and, could be wrong. And even then. The, the theoretical titular Ronin character of Robert De Niro wasn't. No. He was still a samurai. Right. So, I don't know. Because even if, even if he'd been on his own and was like kind of not working for the government, I didn't do this, but theoretically I would want to cast a lead character who's Japanese. And I'm realizing that I should have done that. 
but oh, that would be fun. I didn't do that either. Yeah, but I just I I don't have a replacement name other than MacGuffin. <laughs> no, I can see that. What would be your pitch for the title if it's not Ronin? X spies. That's kind of on the nose, kind of. It is. Yeah, it is hitting a little over the head. Assemble. <laughs> they use that already. I think so. I have no idea. Ocean's Five. Ronin, not the 47. <laughs> we, because that's the thing. Like, if yeah. we were re releasing the movie now, we couldn't call it Ronin because 47 Ronin exists. Right. So we'll come back to that. I'm sure something else will occur to one of us. Hopefully. But let's talk about cast. Okay. Let's start with Sam. All right. So initially he's Robert De Niro. Yes. So how do you replace Robert De Niro? How do you replace Robert De Niro? I said Robert Downey Jr. Ooh, interesting. Interesting. Why? Because he's about the right age. I think he can pull off the kind of like precision that Sam needs as well as the intensity. As well as if we're doing like the Ocean's Eleven thing and this is just something that thing, he would he would be able to pull off any humor that we put in there. I agree with that. I'm not opposed to Robert uh, uh, to Robert Downey Jr. I just almost said Robert De Niro again. Yeah. Placing one Robert with another. Uh, I actually, what's really funny for me is the person that I cast for Sam, you recommended that I use as my casting for James Bond. Oh, funny. So I was like going through and you were like, oh, this person. And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe. Uh, but she would tell Edgy of four. Nice. Because 12 Years a Slave, but he also is in Doctor Strange. He's also in Kinky Boots. So he can do the action movie, but he also can do the heavy drama. Yes. And he goes back and forth, and he also can have the wry sense of humor. Yes. But at exactly the level that it was in Doctor Strange. Because I like him in Doctor Strange. He's great. He's exactly funny. He has my favorite line in the entire movie. Which is? It's the Wi-Fi password. Oh, God, yeah. We're not savages. (laughs) We're not savages. And he's amazing. And so that's why... and. Also, this is a very white movie. Try to make it not so much. Yeah. Anymore. But that that's my pitch. Okay. <laughs> we both cast Marvel people. Yeah. Do you want to come back to Sam? Let's come back to Sam. Okay. Because I think some of my casting takes care of the Hello, it was a very white movie. Yeah, mine too a little and bit. And yours too, and then we'll see where it goes. All right. So then let's talk about Vincent. All right. I will go first for this one. Sure. My Vincent is Marion Cotillard. Nice. I like that. I like we that. need someone who's French. We yep. need someone who's personable, who can get the job done, and can is a chameleon, and that's Marion Cotillard. I went with Matthias Schonartz. Tell me about Matthias Schonartz. He is in Rust and Bone, The Mustang, and Bigger Splash. He's Danish, I believe. Can do a perfect American accent, can do a French accent, speaks French fluently, and he's cute as anything. I may need you to spell Matthias. Uh, M-A-T-T-H-I-A-S. And he's good. He's a really good actor. And I wanted someone to play off of... Marion Cotillard is fantastic. I wanted someone to play off of Sam really well. He's in Hidden Life, The Mustang, Commander, Red Sparrow. I mean, I like this simply because it's an actor I don't know. And I'm always in favor of casting an actor I don't know. Uh, Part of the reason I wanted Marion Cotillard is that it's not a one-woman movie. Good point. Maybe we can do that somewhere else because the rest of these people are well with the exception of Deidre uh let's go with Matthias Schonartz but let's try and find somewhere else for there to be 
some sort of female presence. Okay. I think we could maybe use Marion Cotillard as well and just put her in a different role. We'll figure it out. We'll see yeah. what, what comes up. So then talk to me about who you had for Deidre. For Deidre, I had Sarah Shahi from Life and Person of Interest. She's an Iranian-American actress. Well, I mean, if we're setting this in the Middle East, Sarah Sh- uh, Shahi was born in Texas. Yeah, I know that. But she also is... <laughs> to an Iranian father and yes. Spanish mother. Yes. Former NHL cheerleader. She's a really good actress, And a actually. descendant of, the, of a 19th century Persian Shah. Okay, but be nice to me because I've seen her on two of my favorite TV shows, which is Life and Personal of Interest. Oh, no, we're going with great. her. And she's great. We're going to go with her. I'm going to tell you about mine because okay. mine is good for the movie as it was. Okay. Where she's Irish, but the movie as you're pitching where we set it in the Middle East, which is absolutely 100% correct, obviously Sarah's the choice. My choice, if it were going to be an Irish woman, was Saoirse Ronan. Oh, yeah. Because of course it would be. Of course it would be. Because Lady Bird, Brooklyn, all of the different things. Yes. 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 But if she's going to be Iranian, then that's, that this is who it should be. A descendant of a 19th century Persian Shah. I didn't know that, though. That's really cool. Yeah, no, she was phenomenal in person of interest in, in life. She I was really good. believe you. Yeah. Those are absolutely your genre of movie. Uh, those are TV shows. That too. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, tell me about... So, oh, no, wait. You went first for that one. So then let me tell you about my Gregor. Okay. My Gregor is from a famous family as well. Not necessarily as Hollywoody as the Skarsgårds. Uh-huh. But definitely has other people in their family. This particular actor can do the comedy very well and absolutely can do that dry wit because that's what i want for gregor i want gregor to be the unexpected betrayer and then it's like yeah of course i was gonna do this are you kidding i'm gonna get way more money for this all right for exactly the same amount of risk you guys are dumb for not stealing it i like that so that's why i cast kieran culkin oh funny that's great because uh, he's, he's in great. Scott Pilgrim versus the World. He's in uh, Succession. He's but he also does the heavy drama of Igby Goes Down. Yeah, I feel like that's the sort of and he the Culkins. I ran into him on a train coming back from Washington D.C. from the Women's March, the first Women's March that was in D.C. Oh really? Sat next to him on a train. We we're all just like completely spent after like ten hours on our feet. <laughs> Shoulder to shoulder with people, and everyone's just sweaty and gross, and we're all just sitting there drinking out of a flask, talking as we're going down on the train. I mean, that's amazing. Tell me who you had. Um, I actually had Joel Kinnaman. Tell me about Joel Kinnaman. Robocop and The Killing. Oh, the new Robocop? Yeah, the new Robocop. And then the TV show The Killing. Oh, we've definitely cast this guy before, but I don't remember in what. He's a big, scary guy. He's kind of wiry, but he's kind of... In Suicide Squad, he's Rick Flagg. Oh, I've forgotten about that. Yeah. I try to put Suicide Squad out of my mind. He's very pretty. Yes. But he's also very stiff. I like Kieran Culkin. Yeah. I like Kieran Culkin instead. I, I think it's a more fun take, especially for an Ocean's Eleven style for this movie. I don't necessarily want Gregor to be the stiff, boring guy. But I'll make another pitch for you. What about Mary Cotillard in this? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> She's intense enough. She for sure is, but I don't want this character to be in that okay. intense. Okay. I want this character to be a little bit more fun, and that's why it's more surprising when that character betrays you. Okay. We already have seen Marion Cotillard be the the uh, constant betrayer. Yes. That's Inception. Yes. So I feel like there's other places for her, potentially. Right. All right I then. don't know where. 
We'll figure it out. Yeah. But that brings us to... <laughs> I wrote down all the characters' names, like the character name. For this character, I just wrote Sean Bean. Spence. That's awesome. His, His name is Spence. I can't believe I just wrote Sean Bean. No, that makes sense. <laughs> He's Sean Bean. I went first with the last one, so go ahead. Um... I cast, and I'm hopefully going to pronounce his name correctly, Mahershala Ali. Mahershala, Mahershala Ali? Yeah. I love Mahershala Ali. Yeah. He's great. Because I thought he could do, like, the crazy sort of flip out yeah. really well. Oh, yeah. He absolutely can, because I've seen him do it before. Like, right. That, and the his intense, character and the in uh, Luke Cage is like that. I haven't seen that. Don't. Okay. Uh, that's not true. That's not fair. There are a lot of people who really like Luke Cage. It wasn't for me. There, are, I have a lot of script problems with that show. Mm-hmm. But the direction, the tone, and everything else was fantastic. Okay. It's way better than Iron Fist. And you can't really fault any of the performances. Like, all the performances are also great. It's just purely like, well, that just doesn't... No, why is he here? I love Mahershala Ali, so I've cast him a bunch of times. And I kind of... Too many? Possibly, but probably not. But honestly, like, my casting is similar for that reason. And I'm also going to have trouble pronouncing this, um... I can't. It's funny that our castings are as similar as they are, considering how, you, how left field you thought you were going to be. Okay. My actor is named Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. From where? I actually... So, when I was recently flying to Chicago, I was on a Southwest flight. And if you download the app, you can watch movies for free. Southwest Airlines. Yes. So, the movie I watched was Aquaman. What was he in Aquaman? Black Manta. Oh, my goodness. And here's the thing. I do not like the movie Aquaman. I don't like most of the things in the movie Aquaman. But Black Manta did a fantastic job, and I've got nothing against that actor. All right. He's also in Us. He's also in the upcoming Watchmen TV show. And part of the reason why I would go with him is because he's not as well known. I mean, Mahershala Ali has been in all the movies recently. Right. And, and also, at the time, if you look at where Sean Bean was compared to the rest of the cast... Yeah. I think, honestly, your guy... Uh, Yaya. Yaya. Yaya Abdul-Mateen II. Yes. And I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, but I, I actually have not heard it said out loud. Yes, I think we should go with him. Um, yeah, I think he's an actor kind of on the rise right. versus Marshall Ali, who is... If he's not A-list, he should be. Right. Because he's Oh, he's A-list. Phenomenal. Oh, he's A-list. He's so good. He won an Oscar. He's absolutely A-list. He did win the Oscar? I thought he won the Oscar for supporting in Blue in Green Book. Oh, did he? Oh, he may have. I don't know. He should have. He's great. I'm pretty sure he did. I'm 900 pretend. I'm pretty darn sure he did. I feel like I'm to be pro should tell me if he's... He's won two Oscar awards. Yeah. He won an Oscar for Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role in Green Book. And Moonlight. He won for Moonlight. And for Moonlight. Yeah. yeah. Moonlight he was amazing in. Oh, yeah. That was an amazing film. There's never been anything I've seen him in where he hasn't been amazing. Yes. Even above the material, which I think he was in Green Book. Yes. Like, he did an amazing job in Green Book, and it's just kind of like afterwards that everything has kind of come to light, and and you're like, ugh. Yeah. Like, that movie should not have won Best Picture. Uh, But yes, he won Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role for Moonlight. Yes. Yeah. But I think we should go with Yaya. Yes. I, I think so as well. I like your pitch on him. Uh, last year when we were doing Superman, which I recorded with the Chris, who I just recorded James Bond with, Mahershala Ali was our uh, Lex Luthor. Nice. Because he's great. Yes. Uh, then that brings me to Skip Suddeth. Yes, is Larry. That the, wait, oh, I did the same thing again. It's Larry. Yeah, it's Larry. Skip Suddeth is the, is the actor. actor. 
I did the same thing for oh, Seamus. Good. Oh no, I wrote Seamus O'Rourke. I don't know, just for these two. So I did not necessarily cast an actor who's good at driving. But that that particular character is kind of a nothing. He doesn't yes. do very much. He doesn't say very much. He's just there. He drives a car. Yes, and gets killed. Yes, which he kind of gets pointlessly killed. Well, like, again, we again, you're going back into the betrayals. So he gets killed because they betray him. But even Deidre says, why did why you kill, kill Larry? Him? Exactly, because they betrayed him. But the she Seamus, was on Seamus's side. She was, she was on Seamus' side, but she wasn't necessarily on the side of Seamus' actions. I guess. You're sort of seeing Deidre become become separate from what Seamus is doing over the course of the film. Yes, but I also think that killing Larry was just tactically a mistake. Because if they just drive off, who knows what's going on? Yeah. If they kill Larry, oh, they're betraying us. I just think they also had planned to kill the whole team. Yeah. It, it's also this movie gets to a point where there's been enough betrayals that I can't think of a reason... At the time when both Robert De Niro and Vincent are, like, been betrayed by everybody and everyone else is uh, going off doing their own thing, I'm like, so why are they still doing stuff? They're done. They're not going to get this money. Move on. And Sam's still doing it because he's still working for the CIA, so it makes sense. But there's no real reason for uh, for Vincent to be still involved other than, like, well, I kind of want to see what happens. It just felt foolish to me. Like, oh, well, we were betrayed. Huh. Well, yeah. we could continue risking our lives, or we could go look for more work. I'm going to go look for other work. I don't know. It's But of course. Well, that wouldn't be the plot of the film. It wouldn't. But I'll, but and it's one of those things where, I like at that point, I would probably make the decision of, well, if everyone's be- being betraying us, why don't we get the briefcase and get all the money? We're never going to be as close to this much money again. Let's just go get the thing. That would be my pitch. Yeah. Like, for why they would still be involved. Because it... I think when they're still involved, I think, at least for Sam and Vincent, it becomes a sense of honor. I can see that. I, I honestly think that's where it is. It's not necessarily we want to get this case to get all the money. We want this case because it's uh, it's our honor on the line. Yeah, and that's, I think a, you go that's back a very Ronin idea. That's what I was going to say, yeah. Sense of honor. I mean, if you could also just call the movie Honor. Well, there we go. Can't, because uh, if someone buys honor, like, hey, I got honor. Yeah. So you can't use that? No. But sense of honor. This isn't bad. Sense of duty. <laughs> nah. Duty. <laughs> duty. <laughs> but, okay. You made a duty. So, then let's talk about Larry real quick. Okay. So you cast someone who you said is a good driver. It's an actor who drives. I did not do that. I cast someone who is fun and who I already know you like. Who? Randall Park. Ah. <laughs> I did that intentionally. That's awesome. Because he's in always he's in the new movie coming out called Always Be My Maybe. Yes, he's also in Aquaman. Weirdly, yeah, but he's really good in all. And he's in Fresh Off the Boat, obviously. Yeah, yeah, he wrote Always Be My Maybe. Oh, did he write it with her? Or he just cast. The I think actress? he cast her. I think, but he wrote it. Good for him. Yeah, but he's clearly a hilarious actor. He's yeah. very very funny, and so I wanted someone with a little bit more charisma, so that when he gets killed, we're sad about it instead of just like, all right, bye, Larry. I cast Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> Why? Patrick Dempsey, because he's an actor who drives like Formula One race cars. Is he really? Yeah, he drives like race cars. It's funny as we hear a car yeah. quickly drive by. Roaming by. The Grey's Anatomy actor? Yeah. Also because he's kind of schleppy. Diane. Yeah, I know. Patrick Dempsey is many things. He is not schlubby. Okay. 
this is a dude that's on like one of those people's hottest dudes of the year list. So kind of not Larry. Well, that's not the Larry that Larry they had. Prob- Larry had a lot of problems casting because I was looking at because it's just Larry. Here's the thing. I like Randall Park. I know. I would be okay with Patrick Dempsey if we're not casting him to play Larry. If we're casting him as Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> we're casting him as Formula One driver Patrick, Patrick Dempsey. Dempsey. Literally casting him to play himself. And that way you combine the ice skating role of having this kind of like, oh, well, it's just the person with the role of Larry, unless you cast the ice skating role. I cast that. Okay, well, then we'll leave that. Yeah, I actually cast that. So that would be my my okay. twist on your pitch. All right. We can keep it Patrick Dempsey, but it, he would be playing Patrick Dempsey. I like that idea, but I also like Randall Park better. All right. I mean, I don't mind. Yeah, I just no, wanted I like to give Randall you Park. the option. I'm fond of, fond of Randall Park. I know. So I did it. Yeah. Then that's kind of our team, right? Right. We still haven't... So then let's go back and talk about Sam. Well, actually, let's talk about Jean-Pierre. Jean-Pierre is the old guy that they go to who fixes up Sam. The dude who's in the movie for like 10 minutes? Yes. But he sits there and explains the movie. He sits there and ex- explains the title of the movie. Right. And, okay. he, and he also he also sets them up as to where to find the Russians and stuff the next time. Or sets them up to find the guy who will tell him where to find the Russians. Yeah. So he propels a little bit of the third act. Because they're at sea until they figure out, until they go to Jean-Pierre and he tells them what the heck's going He's on. He's a bumper to put them back on the right track. Yes. But that doesn't necessarily have to be... It, he didn't feel necessary to me. I mean, obviously he's the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh billing, according to IMDb, so who knows? I didn't recast him. But here's my pitch. Okay. If we cast who we think who I cast for him, then your then your Sam makes a lot of sense. Okay, go on. Idriselba. Here's the thing. Last episode, I cast Idriselba. Oh no. I cast him as Blofeld. Okay. And I'm happy to go with Idris Elba as Jean-Pierre. Yeah. However, I don't have a Jean-Pierre, but let me go with the person that I would go... Let me find this person's name because I don't remember it offhand. Okay. Ken Watanabe. Ooh, he's good. Yeah. And if it's a movie called Ronin, and he's most famous for being in The Last Samurai... You want one Japanese guy in there to explain If we have a movie called Ronin, I feel like it's a requirement. And I feel like this would be the role for it. Like, especially because if he's describing himself, like, this is what I went through. Yeah. That's that's the pitch I would make. Okay. And if we do that, then I'm happy leaving the movie called Ronin. Ronin. All right, let's do that. All right. But then we still have to do And we also have to change his name to not Jean-Pierre. Yeah, his name is not Jean-Pierre. So, give me another name. Uh, there's the name... Har- These are just most popular Japanese boy names. Haruto, which means best warmth, tender sound. Riku, which is wise sky. That one kind of fits. Haru, which is peaceful, clear weather. Hinata, best sunlight. Kaito, supportive person. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Asahi, ray of light on the shore. Nope. No. Sora, superior air. Rio, wise center. Rio. All right, we'll go with Rio. And he dances on the sand. Yep. <laughs> they just remastered it. What? Well, no, actually not Dances on the Sand. But the Elton John song, I'm Still Standing, uh-huh. they just they just found the remaster. They just remastered the video to that because the original video, 
the um, director had dropped the tapes in the sea. Why? So it kind of screwed it up. I so, assume on accident. Yeah. But uh, they had to like release it anyway. So it was always kind of muted. Oh, wow. And then, so they just remastered the whole thing. But the funny thing is, when he was filming I'm Still Standing, the video, for, for, okay. in con, he met Duran Duran. That's wild. That's how Elton John met Duran Duran. That's crazy. Yeah. You and I saw the movie Sing together, and we went to a matinee at an arc light, which was crazy because we still had to pay full price. And we were the only two people in the entire theater. Yeah. And I hated that movie, but it was one of my favorite movie-going experiences just because we got to like have fun and make fun of this movie as we're watching it on our own in this gigantic theater, and that was super fun. It was great. And I don't like the movie, but their cover of I'm Still Standing is fantastic. That it is. That it is. All right, I have three more roles. I have Seamus, and I have Miscellaneous, Other Bad Guy, Russian, let's say, number three. I have Seamus, I have Natasha, which is the ice skater, and I have Mikhail, which is the Russian guy. I mean, Mikhail is basically what I have for yeah, other bad yeah, guy. Yeah, So, uh, and so you have Natasha. Let's talk, let's do Seamus, Natasha, and then we'll do uh, Miscellaneous, Other Bad Guy. Okay. Mikhail, let's say. Yeah, sounds good. Um, for Seamus, I went back to doing the, um, like an Iranian actor. I was looking for an Iranian actor for this. Good. Um, so I've got Ali Mustafa. Tell me about him. He is in a movie. He's both a writer and he's both an actor and director. Um, he's done a bunch of stuff. One of the best well-known thing he did was a thing called The Past. Go on. He plays the ex-husband of a woman who he comes back into her life to try and get her back and shenanigans ensue. Mm-hmm. But it's really well acted. It's really intense. Um, it's in French and he's, well, no, it's just one of those things. And, but he is, he's an amazing actor. Great. He's an amazing, amazing actor. And again, because we're going with your pitch of putting it in like the Middle East Dubai, I think that this is the actor we'll go with. The, the guy that I had for Seamus O'Rourke is also someone who seemed fun and is kind of like bring a little bit more energy to it. I cast Carl Urban, Mm -hmm. who is Dread and he's in Ragnarok and he's in all the nerd things. Right. But I think Ali Mustafa is a better choice. Yeah. Good. Good. I think that was a very good pull, Diane. Thank very you. clever. Thank you. All right, then that brings us to Natasha. So. Go on. So I thought ice skating is not the big thing that it is that it was when they filmed it. Correct. Because at the time there was like follies on ice or whatever. and Yeah, you said you wanted to go with the snowboarder. I wanted to go with the snowboarder. So I thought Chloe Kim. Who? The American snowboarder who completely like won the gold medal. Freestyle snowboarding. She's young, she's cute, and let's blow her to pieces on the, on the ski slopes of Dubai. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're a monster. Uh-huh. I... It, okay. <laughs> she's 19 years old. Uh-huh. <laughs> we have to go with her. I don't have anyone. And you just want to murder this poor child. Yes. <laughs> I won't sound so enthusiastic about it. Yes, it's very sad. What do you want? Like, other than murdering her on the ski slopes of Dubai, on the indoor ski slopes of Dubai, what do you want her character role to be? Like, what do you want her purpose in the movie to be? I want her purpose in the movie to be is that you don't expect us, we're going to, you don't expect that you're going to kill this character, and we do. Fair. But why is, prior to uh, the being unexpectedly moitered, Yeah. What's her role? What's she doing there? The crazy Russian mobster is obsessed with her. Yeah, oh, God, it's going to be a weird older person, younger person thing again, isn't it? Uh-huh. Ew. I thought Tom Hardy. 
Ew. He does crazy really well. He does. Carl Urban would also work in this role. He yes. Uh, this uh, mine is Javier Bardem. Ooh, he's fun. Yeah, he's done this sort of villain thing before. Yeah, and I think that that would be good and weird. But I think now is when I'd like to put Marion Cotillard. Ooh, and have her obsessed? Yeah. Yeah. Marion Cotillard just totally obsessed with, like, this young person, just, like, weirdly fascinated with her. And the young person's just like, I don't get what's happening. This is weird. Or she's like, I will just use you for your money, whichever way. Yeah. I'm totally happy with them using each other. Yeah. But. Yeah. I like that. Again, very from Russia with love, actually. Crazy, weird, old lady villain who's totally obsessed with the young person. Yeah. She then says, here, go be in love with James Bond. Okay, did you have any other cast? No, that was it for me. Okay, then let's talk about writer-director. Did you have a writer-director or did you have a writer and a director? I had a writer and a director. Got it. Let's start with writer. Writer, I said Alex Garland. Tell me about Alex Garland. Uh, He wrote The Beach. He wrote uh, Ex Machina. He wrote... What else did he write? Annihilation, 28 Days Later, Never Let Me Go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's who I was thinking, because I was thinking in terms of, like, spy slash convoluted story slash having to deal with with modern geopolitics, he would be a good person for that. Interesting. I specifically uh, cast, I specifically went for writers who I knew would be good at writing a good car chase. Mm Mm-hmm. So I went with Chris Morgan and Gary Scott Thomas. Or Thompson, excuse me. Uh, They have a, uh, um, they wrote the Fast and the Furious movies. Ah, They've written other things, maybe. But, but the last time they... Okay, okay. The one thing that distinguishes Ronan, and I just... I'm not saying no. But the, <laughs> the one thing that distinguishes Ronan, the initial movie, is that the car chase was real. Yes. The last Fast and Furious movie I saw, there was a 30-minute car chase on an airplane runway. Yes. And you're just going... At some point, they got to reach the end of the runway. Yes. And they never reach the end of the runway. It's, a, it's like they're on a treadmill runway. So, for me at least, the car chases are so exaggerated, right. they're unrealistic. I agree with that entirely. For the newest Fast and the Furious. I wanted them... I wanted. I specifically went for Gary Scott Thomas, or okay. Thompson. I keep doing that. It's Gary Scott Thompson, because he wrote the first Fast and the Furious. Okay. When it's a lot more down-to-earth, and it's much more real. I also don't want the crazy pulling a gigantic safe behind cars as it tumbles through the streets... Of where were they Rio de Janeiro or something? Yeah, something like that. And for which makes no sense and is fun to watch, real dumb. I also agree that it needs to be a very real car chase. And I wanted the people who wrote the first one. Unfortunately, some of the people who wrote the first one, I'm not. The, Gary Scott Thompson was the only one who I was like, I could tolerate this guy. Which isn't a good reason to pit pull someone. No, because the other ones were. Eric Berquist and David Ayer. David Ayer wrote End of Watch, Sabotage, and Suicide Squad. Yeah. He also directed it, didn't he? Yeah. And Eric Berquist also has really done Fast and Furious stuff. I'm happy to go with... Alex? Alex Garland. But I will insist on we get that we get someone for a comedy pass. Like a joke pass. Okay. I don't know who that would be. I'm not sure who that would be either. Well, what about Steven Soderbergh? What comedies has he written? Ocean's Eleven. Great. I think he did. He directed it. I don't know if he wrote it as well. No. Ocean's Eleven is written by... I mean, it, Ocean's Eleven is a remake. Mm-hmm. 
hey. Because there's the 1960s right. story and screenplay, which they kind of like tweaked. Right. And then the new version was written by a guy named Ted Griffin. Okay. Who I'm going to pull up now. Ted Griffin also wrote Matchstick Men. He wrote Terriers, which was a very fun show. He did Wolf of Wall Street. He did okay. Night and Day, Killers, Up in the Air. He's current. You know, he directed an episode of Patriot. Huh. Interesting career this guy's had. He actually might be good for a comedy pass because he's written some stuff that's comic, but he's also written some really edgy stuff. Yeah. So he might actually really get the tone of, tone of it right. Okay. Then let's do Alex Garland with a pass by Ted Griffin. Yeah. He's currently in development on Shoot the Messenger, Panic Attack, Gone Hollywood, and Beached. Beached, huh? Yeah, I'm looking up what it is. A boy is raised by whales and becomes an Olympic swimmer. Okay. What? That sounds insane. That sounds crazy. I mean, it sounds animated. Yes. But it's a comedy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let me tell you about my director. Okay. His name is Chad Stalisky, and he uh, has directed John Wick. Okay. Because action. Yes. Now, to be fair, for the movie that we've created, he probably isn't the right director. Yeah. I actually thought about him as well. I actually thought about him as well. And I was like, yeah, but he's kind of like all into like the gung fu and the kung fu. Yeah. And the and the dog fu. And have you seen the third one yet? I haven't seen. I've never seen a John Wick movie. Okay. I own the first two ones. I didn't know that. Yeah, absolutely. We have so, to see. Have so to see organize this. a movie night. Done. Okay. So Sam, Sam will do a, uh, a uh, mini episode about his feelings on John Wick after this. Will I? Yeah, you will. All right. I didn't do one on Booksmart, and I loved the Booksmart. I didn't see Booksmart. You didn't see Booksmart? Oh, uh, Diane, you need to see Booksmart. Okay. I don't know where you can see it now, but you need to see Booksmart. I'll find Booksmart. It's very good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I missed it when it was in the theaters. We're going to get it as a screener because it's going to get nominated for right. stuff, but it's very good. Okay. So who do you have? So I might, so I agree. I don't think Chad Selesky is right for the movie that we've come up with. So with that in mind, who do you have? I have Gareth Evans. Tell me about Gareth Evans. He did The Raid. <laughs> John Wick's just a remake of The Raid. I know, but he did the original one. And in The Raid 2, they do a whole like sort of car chasey thing. Which is pretty good. <laughs> but the other one... Why okay. can we dismiss the guy who remade The Raid in favor of the guy who did The Raid? No, John Wick isn't a remake of The Raid. Dread is a remake of The Raid. Got it. Sorry. What's the name of this guy? Gareth Evans. John Wick is a totally original idea. Yes, you're right. They're similar, though. This is the guy who directed the Raid, the original one, or the Raid American remake? He directed the original one. Really? Yeah. Then we gotta get him. Yeah. Then then you're right. Welsh directed a short film, Samurai Monogatari, Mm -hmm. telling the tale of a samurai waiting to be executed. Shot in Japanese. Yeah, we gotta get Gareth Evans to do Ronin. Yep. You are right. Good pull. Also, in just a, when I was thinking about these, one of the other guys I thought about was Michael Bay. Now, I dismissed him. Good. But initially I thought Michael Bay just because I have never seen anyone direct a car chase like Michael Bay. And destroy cars how he does it. It's amazing. It's amazing. If you thought Chad Stahelski <laughs> was too gun-fu, crazy explosions... No, no, I thought... I if thought, you thought Fast and the Furious 
was too That's why much for this movie. That's why I dismissed him. That's why I dismissed him. But, oh, you know, Diane. You, you're just sort of bringing in all sorts of things initially. And then when I thought when I thought about Gareth, I was like, wait, him. Yes, which, and obviously you're yeah. correct. But, you know, my mind sometimes goes to different areas of the world. Yeah. Did we settle on someone for Sam? No, we didn't. I but I think if we're picking, um, who did we settle on for um, John Vincent? Was that for Vincent was for Vincent. Jean-Pierre. Jean-Pierre. Jean-Pierre was Ken Watanabe. Ah. And Vincent is Matthias Schonert. Schonert. So I think... I still think we should go with Chiwetel Ejiofor. I think you're right. I think we'll make this as multicultural as we can. Do our best. Yeah. I also think that he can do the tongue-in-cheek very well, and I, th- I just think he'll be fun. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. So then let me run through our version of Ronin. All right. Ronin 2020. Sorry. Ronin. With Sam being played by Chiwetel Ejiofor, Vincent will be Matthias Schonartz, Deidre, probably with a different name, will be Sarah Shahi, Gregor will be Kieran Culkin, Spence will be Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, Larry will be Randall Park, Seamus O'Rourke will also be- Also a different name. Also a different name for sure. Uh, Ali Mustafa- Jean-Pierre, renamed Rio, will be Ken Watanabe. Mikhail will be Marion Cotillard. And she's just fascinated with <laughs> Natasha, who will be played by Chloe Kim. Now, Natasha in the original movie, was that that skater's that was the, actual the, yeah. name? Okay. So no, then no, Chloe- no, no. The actual, the actual uh, skater's name is Katarina Witt. Oh, okay. She then, played, so, so she was playing someone named Natasha. She, was playing so somebody, she wasn't playing herself. No. Got it. She was basically playing herself. She was playing herself. She yeah. was a skater. So, sorry. Natasha will be Chloe Kim. All of this will be written by Alex Garland with a pass by Ted Griffin, and it will be directed by Gareth Evans. That is our Ronin. I and like it. How do you feel? I like it a lot. Good. I'm glad. It actually makes me smile. Good. It actually really makes me smile. I would want to see so that happy. film. I Good. would want to see that film. Then, tell me, what would you like to promote, Diane? Where would you like people to find you on the internet? What would you like uh, people to know about you? Um, we've done this before. I know you should have been ready. I know. You've listened to episodes. I know. I do this at the end of all of them. I know. Well, I've actually got a Twitter account, so yay me. Yes. Uh, that's about it in terms of finding me on the internet. Do you want to tell people what sure, your Twitter Dibster. is? Dibster. Spell it. D i b s t e r. Excellent. And I generally just sort of put up any political stuff or some <laughs> comments about political things. Fun. So nothing really to promote myself on that at all. <laughs> Although I did recently get retweeted after the last debate, so I'm really excited about uh, that. What did you say? I said a comment about Kamala Harris. Good. Because I didn't watch the debate, but I hear, I hear she did amazing. She did an amazing job. Fantastic. It was incredible. Yeah. My understanding is she won. Yeah. Good. Jaw-dropping. Good. Jaw-dropping. That's moment. amazing. I'd love yeah. to hear that. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, if you want to find out more about me you can follow me on twitter at sam gash s-a-m-g-a-s-c-h if you want to follow the podcast we are on twitter and instagram at ideal remake or you can go on facebook and follow us at ideal remake or ideal remake podcast and yeah uh if you want to support the podcast you please like subscribe leave us a five-star review that would be amazing and it would mean the world to me but the best thing you could do for us this week is if there's one person in your life who loves movies who would enjoy the show, please recommend this podcast to them. And if you have movies that you think that we should talk about, by all means, send us a message and I'll certainly try. So yeah, Diane, 
Thank you so much for being my guest for the movie Ronin. And oh, for thank you in- so much. Introducing me to it. Thank you so much. It was a really a lot of fun. I'm glad. I had a lot of fun. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of like a line to end the episode on. What's your favorite line from the movie Ronin? <sighs> they don't talk much. It's not a real one-linery movie. It's not a real one-linery movie. I mean, the best thing I like, one of the things, one of the visual things I like is when he knocks over the cup of coffee and Stellan Skarsgård just catches it. Yeah. It's like nice reflexes. All right, how's that? Nice reflexes. My favorite line after that was, you were just taken down by a cup of coffee. He says something like that, right? Yeah, he does that as well. He does the same same move on Sean Bean. Yeah. And Sean Bean doesn't catch the cup. Yep. It's, uh, you were just taken down by a cup of coffee. What do you expect to do against the other guy? Or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.